Thanks very much for the introduction, Chris, um, and thank you for the invitation to speak today. It's a great pleasure speaking on something that I have a great deal of interest in. Now, the title is um, quite a wordy one, but I think really what I want to look at is the use of evidence-based practice um, from a slightly different perspective. We're all, I think I'm preaching to the converted in terms of the requirement for evidence-based practice, but actually what I wanted to just think about for a little while is how we can use this kind of an approach um, to promote um, active student engagement because one of my other real interests is um, veterinary education. So that's what I wanted to consider, consider. I wanted to just turn things on its head a little bit and think from a different perspective. So just to outline how I plan to structure the lecture, I want to look at um, generation of this graduate certificate program, which is the context I'm looking at, and take an instructional design approach. So the AD kind of approach, looking at how I analyze the situation, designed, developed, implemented, and then uh, evaluated this, just to give you an idea of the, the process involved and and the way that I'd been looking at it. So the analysis phase um, when, when designing the program is really looking for clarification of the instruction objectives, looking at the learning environment and the learner's existing knowledge and skills. So really trying to set the context. And so to, to put you on the page as to what I was what I was developing, it was an online graduate certificate program, um, a postgraduate program for practicing vets, um, fully online program, although there was the option for them to attend a, a practical if they wanted to, um, which most people find very useful. Level 7 qualifications, so we're the, the, the level equivalent to um, the sort of type of learning you'd expect with a master's degree, and that's important, and we'll come on to that in, in a few minutes. 30 ECTS credits run over one year, so it gives you an idea of what sort of, what sort of people I was, I was catering for. So... I just wanted to check how large that came out for you. I'm sure all of you are used to used to this. A lot of you are working in education. It's really just a, a schedule of what UCD outlines relating to the Bologna scale in terms of what you expect from a student with that kind of um, level qualification. And so if we're thinking about the pyramid of, of knowledge and, and types of um, the, the grading of knowledge, we're looking for students to be able to do more than just re remember and understand. We're expecting them to move towards analyzing, creating. And I think that's very important um, and, and what I was, was interested in with the program. So the educational context that we're talking about is with this level seven objective, we want to be creating higher order skills. So we want to have people able to integrate information, to do complex problem solving, and also to think about clinical reasoning. So that's maybe slightly small there, but it just really what I wanted to then get into is thinking that if you're going to expect those sort of skills from people, you need to be really looking at a deep learning approach. And the sort of things that you need to think about when you're thinking about deep learning are that you need to have people actively engaged in what they're doing. They need to be motivated. They need to be um, have trying to create structure in their knowledge. So you need to be doing things that are promoting structure it's got to be student-centered, and the way that you create your assessment has to be central to that, and it's something that I'm going to come back to in more detail. This is a program for people in practice, and they're online, so they have to be self-directed, but promoting self-directed education and self-directed learning is really important if we're trying to um, lead to lifelong education, which is uh, an important thing to be moving towards. 
And so we wanted them to be doing things that they were working on themselves, actively learning and creating learning resources for themselves. Peer-peer learning is something that's known to be very beneficial. It's uh, creating a community of learning and getting people interactive together is a very good way of promoting active learning and is also a way of, of bringing uh, all the students along with each other and helping to motivate. So that's going to be an important component of, of the situation. Now, what this diagram really aimed to show is not that you want to read in detail what's on there, but there's obviously all the, all the things that one might want out of a program have to be balanced against some of the things that might um, mitigate against achieving that. And I have to work with a, a realistic staff resource level um, and also that I was um, constrained by an online platform, so making things active online can sometimes be more challenging. And also, if I want to students to work together and, and critique each other's work, it has to be in a format that's going to be achievable. I can't be giving people lots of essays and saying, off you go and read each other's essays. It had to be something structured. I also thought that bearing in mind the context of education in the world we live in today is important. And I really think that this, this quote from Alvin Toffler sort of hit a, struck a chord with me, that the illiterate of the 21st century are not those that can't read and write. They're going to be those that can't unlearn, re, sort of learn, unlearn and relearn. And that's really speaking to the volume of information there is out there. There's no real point presenting an educational program now that just gives them lots of information because information is what we're drowning in. What I really wanted to do was create a way of getting them to engage with information and, and try and learn ways of, of ranking it and, and meaningfully um, working with it. So I had to really ask myself what I wanted to achieve when I was doing this. I have a year. I can't present all of small animal medicine in a year and just give them a huge distilled volume of information because that's just not practical or useful. So what did I want them to do at the end of the year? And I think when I've talked to people about program design, they've said, well, step back and think, what would you like them to have in a couple of years' time? Where would you like them to be? And I really wanted to... Um, I really wanted my computer to work. Ah, I don't know how I go back. There you go. Sorry. It's obviously... There we go. Ah. I'll try once more and then I'll leave it. I'll just talk to that. What I was wanting to do was in a year, a year on from the program, I would like them to be thinking differently. I'd like them to be thinking to challenge things. I'd like them to be changing the way they approach things. I'd really want them to change their process rather than to be able to name a, a, a lot of facts that would be just um, surface learning and not really having changed their output. So analyzing from a pedagogical point of view what considerations I had, I really knew that I needed to promote deep learning, and I've mentioned some of the factors that the literature is full of to explain how you might achieve that. I knew I was dealing with adult learners. We're all dealing with adult learners in, in the um, tertiary setting. Um, so it's important to them that they build on prior knowledge. It's important that things are perceived to be authentic. They don't want to be doing tasks that they just think of for the sake of it. A learning community is a really important way of building peer-peer learning and, and taking everyone along with you and learning from each other. Construction of knowledge is, is very student-centered and is going to promote deep learning. And I needed to 
really present them with a way of trying to process and rationalize the sheer volume of information there is out there. So that's really where um, evidence-based practice comes in place in my mind. And I think we're all used to this sort of Venn diagram that looks at how patient concerns, uh, clinical expertise and best available evidence integrate together. And uh, we have uh, evidence-based practice right at the center key in that, evidence-based medicine. And I think Dave Sackett's um, definition we, we'd all be familiar with um, has been mentioned several times in the conference. But I think that this really sums for me how it, it, it fitted with what I was trying to achieve, because he's talking about taking all of these different pieces, taking the clinical expertise and integrating. So asking people to actually do something active with that rather than just be, be passive and be expected to be vessels filled up with information and just doing what we've told because somebody's told us or the experts say. So I thought that the evidence-based approach promotes active inquiry, um, produces a structured approach to identify a question and then collate a meaningful answer. Um, it's a meaningful approach to medicine in a world of spiraling information. I think, as I say, I'm preaching to the converted here. It's an important important thing and it makes extremely good sense, um, but it challenges the students to ask the question and puts them in charge and puts them in a central role in a very active process and, and promotes self-directed self learning. So this is just a distillate of what I was hoping that I'd get them to achieve at the end in terms of learning outcomes, that I wanted them to be able to demonstrate an effective structured approach to complex um, problems and problem solving in small animal medicine, to make an evidence-based recommendation guided by evaluation of the current literature, and to manage um, to communicate effectively to peers about case management. So all higher order skills and things that aligned very well to what would be very useful for them in practice and, and uh, positive um, training to gain. So following constructive alignment with BIGS, it's known that the learner really constructs their own learning through um, performing relevant learning activities, so backwash of the curriculum, the student looks to the, looks to the assessment to see what you're asking them to do. So the capstone assessment really encapsulates the whole of what I was wanting to achieve with the program. And so what they have to do at the end of this is a structured case report, but the structured case report incorporates a critically appraised topic to defend one of their choices in the, the case management. So it might be to defend the diagnosis diagnostic test usage or to defend the treatment, they also have to create a concept map that maps out how they evaluated the problem solving in the, in the case. So it really incorporates an awful lot of, of medical progression. The capstone for the initial module of the two-module program is just a critically appraised topic. So they, they, what they do over time is build with smaller assessments building up to the one capstone that really encapsulates what, they, what they'd be expecting expected to achieve at the end of the program. So this is very much a construction first um, learner-centered program which should promote active engagement. It's self-directed but it's got a very huge, very large component of peer-peer learning and I'll explain how in a few minutes. And I used a lot of authentic clinical material because I think that's what practitioners want to see and what they, they can identify with already having experience from practice. And everything is driven by an evidence-based ethos that starts at the beginning of the program and really builds throughout. 
So I was really interested. Um, my, my kids figure quite a bit in some of these um, photographs. But what really interests me with learning is the social construct constructivist angle because I think that we learn so well from our peers um, that it's really important to have a strong peer-peer learning component. I think um, if, if you can actually start trying to promote reflection, which we're not always the best at doing, and, and I have to say as some of my um, students started on the program in the in the first year that it ran they'd be quite reticent to reflect on how they were finding things even more reticent to to comment on how their peers were doing but they had um, rubrics like this at every stage with exemplars and on the discussion boards they're expected to create their own work put it up for other people to see and critique other people's they were pretty reticent to begin with but then they got very once they could see the benefits and what we're trying to do and guided in the online discussions, then they, they really do um, get very reflective. They're very helpful to each other. They start bringing in the evidence and showing each other the evidence, and it works really well, and it's quite heartening to see how they progress and move away from looking to me to, to guide them. So I use the five-step approach. Um, I don't think I really need to go through that in this audience, but using the asking a, a, uh, an answerable question, finding the evidence and working around, really is guided by the decision of the Sicily statement where they said, look, this is the effective way to teach this um, in, med in medicine, and it's been widely validated for use in medicine and teaching of evidence-based practice. So it was a very good place to start, and also it's very practical. I like the fact that it really reflects the sort of Kolb's experiential learning cycle where you're asking people to draw, um, to relate to what they know and what's in front of them, then to, to see it in action, to try it out, and then to reflect on the process at the end and see how it's performed. So it really lends itself quite well to that sort of process. Implementation of the program, just to give you a taste, I'm not going to go through in any detail, but um, the, the um, diagram at the top is really what the uh, what they get to see is a map of a unit and there are four units in each of the two modules they get their learning uh, um, challenges their assessments down the center and then they have so they know what they have to achieve in the units of time and they have lots of small formative assessments they also then have their e-lectures, and there's a screenshot of one at the bottom, and those are articulated on the left-hand side, by, shown by the, the triangles there, so they know how those relate to what they're being asked to do. And then they have learning guides or, or um, source resources that, to the right, and it highlights where they've got exemplars that they can draw on, where they can go to the literature, um, or where they've got peer support to just really make it explicit to them what levels of support they've got in place in each place. And when I've done, when I did my teaching um, diploma, I found it quite unnerving when I went online and saw there were lots of information everywhere and trying to work out how it drew together, I found very difficult. I think I must be quite a visual learner. So I liked having a map and showing them where everything was. So it's all centered around the five-step approach, and it starts gradually, moves them through, and keeps them interacting with each other, critiquing each other as they go, encouraging them to have discussions at each stage. 
So this is really just trying to show that, that it's a, it's a pathway moving forward so that they progress in their ability over the, over the year um, and they keep feeding back on each other. They keep trying tasks and then developing and then re, and then reevaluating where they are. So they do get feedback, which we all know um, is, a, is fundamental to, to progression and, uh, and good education. And I knew that because I had limitations of staff, um, I needed to be able to do some of that myself, but I needed to be able to create a way that gave them effective peer-peer learning so that they get um, feedback in real time that's practically achievable. And this is just a screenshot. I don't know how many of you used to the VLE Blackboard. It has its limitations, unfortunately, but these are just the different discussion boards that there are for each of the assessments. You probably can't see the numbers, but some of those posts there, there's 36, 35 40 posts and they're just discussion groups of five or six people and they get very into interacting with each other and, and really do drive things forwards. So what I aim to show here is just um, not to get you to be able to read those individual labels, but just to show that the assessment um, strategy is quite broad. There's a lot of um, gradual assessment and formative assessment with, with small carrots to keep, them, to keep them engaged that they know it adds up to a mark because we, we all know what it's like to be students and, and need to see that you need have to do these things. And, and then they work towards the, the more capstone um, assessment assessments like the CAT in the first module and the structured case report in the second. So just giving an example of one of the things that I start with, um, setting a clinical scenario, I actually, the first scenario they set very early on, because I have a huge spectrum of different people attending, the first time I had a retired vet and a new graduate on the same cohort. And people from mixed practice, just small animal practice, very, very mixed background. So I gave them a medical example, first of all, to put them on a level for playing field and take veterinary out of the equation so that they could just learn process. And asked them, I said they met their father at the weekend at a family get-together. He'd been a lifelong heavy smoker, but recently been aware of wanting to give up due to worsening respiratory signs and he asked if he could um, if he should be thinking about using e-cigarettes and I just set them off to think about at, write, writing a, an answerable PICO question and getting back to each other and posting but I also um, was very mean I asked them to be reflective and to, to post up some discussion with their peers about what they thought was tricky did they have enough to answer the question were they left thinking well hang on I don't really know what the question is and I want I, I gave them that was the other thing I wanted to say with the spiral picture is I think we need to give authentic non-black and white sort of questions that are real life and they should have been questioning well hang on I don't really have enough information I need to go back I need to know why what are the respiratory signs is that relevant how long has he been smoking all of these kind of things could feed into it and then they got to critique what each other had said and start refining and once they'd refined their questions within the group then the next phase was then to go and look for the evidence see how that performed and some of them will go to the systematic review some of them didn't know about that but they start learning from each other and and seeing how the different search, search strategies work and medicine, they're very lucky, they get huge numbers of hits, so the students can play about with their strategies and see how this adjusts the hit rate. And so it works quite well using a medical scenario, first of all.
to keep them motivated the, there is clinical content coming in and I've got little reusable learning objects integrated in with clinical scenarios and some um, evidence driven um, some papers at the end for them to explore and they can keep interacting and discussing those just in the background because I think it's been mentioned already nobody wholeheartedly jumps into just learning theoretical evidence-based practice you have to kind of weave it in and that's partly why I did the the scenario that everyone could relate to first of all whilst giving them lectures because they could see how and why they were being asked to do that rather than just here's this I'm telling you to learn this because I think you should I was trying to make drive them to be challenged to think this was going to help them the other thing that I do is use reusable learning resources to try and do a quick feedback sort of scenario that's achievable for me to do rather than just um, responding to continuous things. So these snappies are small nuggets applied practically to inform. So they're just little bits, usually little clinical scenarios, but they've got some that are more away from clinical challenges towards test preparation that are centered around what topics they've got. And this particular example um, you can <laughs> it's going to play up for me I'll, I won't go back on that but it, it goes through screens they can zoom on that paper and read about the the paper and then they're asked to answer what they think they can say about the paper and the study design they answer when they've answered some of these questions they can go back and they get feedback about where they were right and then they also get comments that explain which parts were right um, and they can reuse these and they've got them as reusable learning resources on there. So just coming towards um, the, the end now, what I wanted to do is think about the evaluation phase. Now, I'd be very open and say, look, this isn't, um, this isn't an extensive evaluation. This is very much more reflective. So I thought that using something like um, Stephen Brookfield's four lenses as a, as a reflective tool was a reasonable way of starting to see where, where am I at and did it achieve the, the goals I'd hoped and how, how did I find it? Because I thought there were quite a few people that were probably interested in education of evidence-based practice here. So I've looked at, from my own perspective, from the student's perspective, from the peer perspective, and, and from the perspective of the, of the literature. So from my own point of view, um, I found it uh, extremely positive. I found it very constructive, and I could really see a clear progression of the, the skills um, that the, the students had from starting to finishing. And I did, in my first cohort, I had the extremes, as I explained, and people that really weren't particularly um, information savvy, computer savvy. So we had quite a steep learning curve, but vets are very tenacious creatures. They're very determined, and they're also very bright and motivated. So if you do things that encourage those attributes rather than knock them on the head and just spoon feed them, give them volume, do everything that we usually do in old vet colleges, um, then, then they, they rise to the challenge. They increased in confidence. They got very good at critiquing each other. They got very good at saying, well, actually, you can't say that cat's tachycardic because this paper says this and this is the range and have you said that and, and got very, very um, picky with each other, but in a very constructive way. 
they um, challenged information, they challenged everything at every stage, but they got very good at doing that in a structured way using the rubrics and, and really got into to answering each other and, and could see the peer evaluation. And what I've tried to do at all stages was give them some taste of why, why the particular intervention or assessment was done in a particular way and catch it with a, a little bit of evidence. So use a little bit of my own medicine um, so that they could understand and they did seem to respond to that quite well. Reflection, I think, they also embraced and could see the benefit of and started to, started to comment on how they were finding things. But I think they realized that that was actually very good um, from the point of view of, of um, the, the spirit of all working together because they got very good at sharing the fact that they were finding some things difficult and it, and it helped to work with them and, and actually once they realised that the Blackboard site was going to close down the first at the end of the programme, the first thing they all did was develop a WhatsApp group then they could carry on chatting about things once they left. So this isn't the nicest output from SurveyMonkey and uh, the first cohort of students I had through was quite small. I only had 10 students, so I've got 20 this time, so we're, we're increasing in numbers. The green is strongly agree and the, and the more blue is agree and I, I'll show you what the categories were in a minute, but generally I got very positive feedback. They found it valuable. They commented on it changes their, changing their approach to practice changing their approach to ongoing learning and that they enjoyed working together and very much enjoyed the case-based discussions. And I should have said that as the course progressed, they did get given cases to start discussing that were actually some of our residents' cases that um, we had a lot of information about and they were given on a drip feed basis and asked to, asked to problem solve based on. So this... Um, assuming it comes down nicely, just uh, lets me give you an idea of some of these. There's some of the learning outcomes that were quoted to the second module, but they're along the lines. The first one is um, construct a well-reasoned approach to the management of a case, explain my approach in the context of the literature, apply diagnostic steps, reasoned approach, the choice of management, and so, and so it goes on. So it's talk, it, So you can see that the students either all agreed or strongly agreed that it changed the way they approached and helped them feel better able to manage the cases. From um, the peer lens perspective, the course is ongoing. It's just started again. We've got 20 students on this time, and it's more international than it was initially. Um, my librarian on, on the program actually has found it really fascinating seeing that they were struggling to generate a search initially, and now they're generating really nice cats or evidence summaries at the end. And in fact, um, a couple of the students are hoping to submit to evidence. Um, the Veterinary Evidence Journal, and I think that it, that that would be great to start generating resources. At the moment, they have a resource section on Blackboard that they're encouraged that we actually um, populate with different topics, and they put all of their cats into that. And they also de um, develop concept maps, guiding approach to different clinical problems, and all of those are shared resources. So they very much have a uh, an approach to generating resources that they can use, and they're encouraged to to use those then when they're managing managing the cases. Um, other tutors um, have, have been very positive and one of the one of the students on the first program was actually one of our technicians who's a vet, which was great to have sort of insider knowledge on what it was like sitting on the other side of the fence and she's joined me as a, as a tutor now, which is great, somebody to just help um, steer discussion boards a little bit. 
So in terms of evaluation and, and viewing it through the lens of the literature, I did that really more prospectively than retrospectively because I was doing my teaching diploma at the time when I was, when I was designing this. So I set out to design things centered around what I thought there was good evidence for um, and took it that way rather than having reflected on it as much post that I, I have but I, I use the literature a lot in that way but the future plans would be to try and evaluate this more objectively because a reflective summary is, is less useful to, to other people to look in at and look at trying to publish some of some of the approaches so just to summarize what I found I found the five-step um, evidence-based practice approach a really effective way of scaffolding what I was trying to achieve to promote very learningful um, deep learning-centered activity in students um, to get them working towards construction of material and moving on the pyramid of construction of knowledge and um, it mirroring a lot of the approaches that are used in education for generating deep learning and, and experiential learning by, by reflective process moving forwards. So I, I found it really quite interesting looking at it from a slightly different perspective. And the images are, are either Google free to share or my own. Um, and I want to acknowledge that I had an educational technologist, Mark Carty, who was helping me develop the reusable learning resources and to guide me through my computer illiteracy. Um, a colleague of mine, who um, Mary Gallagher, who, who works... Uh, in the preclinical years, she's a, tech, a technician with a real interest in education. She made the fatal mistake of expressing interest one time when we were at, at a teaching diploma course. And so she, she helps me run the discussion boards, but very much from the perspective of an educational person in there rather than making veterinary comment, which works really well to guide them and keep pushing them back to the rubric. Um, Carolina is the vet who took the program, is now on board as a um, a tutor and Carmel is our librarian who's very patient and, and keeps chipping in and takes lots of calls initially to help the students progress. So I hope that that struck a few chords with people and I wonder if anyone has any questions. <laughs>